today, Dr. Caxton O'Pair, has been on this program many times in the past, and you can go to uh, archives, go back and put his name in, and hear his other uh, podcasts previously. I'm a treating physician, an author, he's written multiple books, especially on COVID, and co-researcher and scholar. Dr. O'Pair, it's good to have you on the program today. Hi, thank you, Dr. Anderson. It's been a while, but I'm glad to be here with you today. Well, we've been um, talking via text message and uh, email, and you've opened some things that I would like to talk to you about. Sure. So, let's uh, get started. I got um, four different things that like your comment on okay. with respect to the COVID problem. Yes. And the first is intimidation of doctors. Uh, it's their point of view that any doctor with opposing all by scientific sound views from the vaccine narrative should be criticized, counseled, or whatever. You want to make a statement about that statement? Sure. Um, you know, Dr. Anderson, and I'm hoping your listeners understand that it's not just intimidating doctors. Even though the preponderance of evidence or even first principles on coronavirus vaccines in general for the last several decades point us in another direction in terms of safety and the risk of death following these vaccines, the so-called scientific authorities still went ahead and began to bully and attack doctors, even sent directives. I'm not sure whether you're familiar with one of those directives sent from the Federation of State Medical Boards to attack doctors and intimidate them directly. And um, we all know that the coronavirus is part of the common cold viruses at least three of them, and there's never been a cure or treatment or a vaccine for a common cold. That's the basic principle for those who are wondering what is the scientific basis for expecting or predicting a potential failure for the vaccines or problems. There's never been a vaccine for the common cold, and there's a good reason for it. It's hard to do. The viruses mutate, um, and there's so many other components of the virus and the vaccine-making process that make it extremely dangerous to just say we have got the vaccine and it's going to knock out the virus. And even though some people were so sure that the vaccine will not be as effective, the U.S. military was also clear about that as far back as March of eight, uh, 2019 about nine months before the spread really began in December 2019. So, yes, it's just plain rubbish to attack a doctor who thinks critically and has an opposing view. But they have attacked doctors all over the all over this country for that same reason, Dr. Anderson. And um, I fell into it, and I had to forcefully defend myself 
and um, maybe we'll go into that later. <laughs> First of all, remdesivir was designed to be used, I mean, first tried out in Ebola. It failed. As a matter of fact, in that study that was published in December of 2019, the WHO came to the conclusion and the lab, the results of the clinical trials were that those who got remdesivir and another drug from the NIH pool, ZMAP, remdesivir was associated with 53.1% deaths as opposed to 34% in the drugs that were actually effective for Ebola. So the WHO knew that this wasn't a phenomenal drug. Strangely, in February of 2020, with about six or seven weeks after the publication from the WHO, um, the NIH, uh, which is the proponent for remdesivir, came up and said, oh, we have this new phenomenal drug, remdesivir, that was responsible for about 53% deaths in just a few weeks prior, uh, that they want to use it in um, uh, COVID. But you know, remdesivir kills the kidneys. It kills the lungs. So when they started using it, they didn't get the results they wanted. As a matter of fact, when they you when you create a clinical trial with the protocols you don't change the protocols there are laws of proportionality that determine uh, that are used to calculate outcomes and as much as statistics is useful what they try to do is from this sample if we get 0.1 percent we can then calculate and say okay it's one out of a thousand 
So they start basing calculations from the one out of a thousand, for example. So if many people died, if 10 out of a thousand died, 20, 50 out of a thousand, that's how you apply it to the rest of the world population. So at the time that they did the Ebola studies and 53.1% of those who got the remdesivir died, that should have been an indicator not to use it. But they started using it anyway. And in the clinical trial for COVID, moving on from Ebola, in the clinical trial for COVID, they were not getting any real results. The length of stay, need for intubation, improvement in symptoms, needing lesser oxygen, none of it changed. And they knew that, okay, we have created a bioweapon, we're going to kill a lot of people, in my opinion, and therefore, we can do whatever we want to do. That's the way it seemed, because an actively practicing doctor that sees what happened with the remdesivir patients will stop right there. So when they couldn't find any difference between those who were not getting remdesivir and those who were getting remdesivir, they changed the goalposts for the endpoints and they started discharging patients who were sick. Now, they were discharging them earlier. And this is a strange phenomenon, Dr. Anderson. You see, the patients that were given no remdesivir treatments were discharged on day 15. And you can be sure that those patients did fairly well because they never got a poison in their system. The patients that got remdesivir, however, were discharged on day 11 or day 12, around day 11.5 in the clinical trial. So with that, they now published a paper saying that remdesivir in, uh, in May, that remdesivir reduced the duration of hospitalization, which was fraudulent. For that, people should go to jail. But that's how they got the approval and authorization for remdesivir. But remdesivir does one thing, though. It kills the kidneys. And most of the patients that come in for COVID, notice they don't come in for COVID when they have a little headache or a little fever. Most of them that come into the hospital come in because they're short of breath. They're short of breath because their lungs are beginning to get so inflamed, infected, and even have some fluid in the lungs, a small amount. But when they get the remdesivir, it destroys the kidney function. And those patients by day three to day five, most of the urine that we make is no longer excreted. So guess what? The, 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 the fluid that's supposed to be excreted by the body in the form of urine now stays in the body and goes to the lungs. So even though the patient came in with shortness of breath, when we give them something that destroys kidney function and they're not able to make as much urine as quickly as possible, the rest of that metabolic water now seeps back into the lungs, which in effect means that the patients getting remdesivir are more likely, are going to be more likely to die, just like they did from Ebola when given to patients with COVID-19. And that's exactly what happened. And it was worse that they now want to give that to pregnant women and to young children. As a matter of fact, the WHO said on October 19, 2020, don't give remdesivir to patients with COVID anymore. It's not useful. 
But instead, three days later, the FDA gave authorization for the use and approval, I think, for remdesivir in young children. And Dr. Anderson, if we're doctors, I don't think these are doctors making these decisions. They may be driven by other agendas, whatever that agenda is. I actually told the medical board in one of the boards that I work will leave their name anonymous. I told the board that Dr. Fauci and the NIH and FDA are actually bigger culprits for misinformation than anywhere else because the WHO has said don't use remdesivir as far back as October 2020. Yet in December 2021 and up till now, remdesivir is being ordered to be used. Now here's the problem. If you're a medical doctor, and I chose to not work in several hospitals because on their protocol, they have remdesivir to be given to COVID patients. And to me, that's, it's insane. But I don't want to be sued for not giving remdesivir to patients who are going to die because they got remdesivir. So I've chosen to just back off those hospitals. If on their protocol, they say we want remdesivir, I'm not going to work there anymore. If the infectious disease experts wants to prescribe remdesivir or the hospital has their own standing order for patients with COVID, that's fine. But it's outrageous to expect patients at this point to go into a hospital and be treated with remdesivir. It's unacceptable. Well, Jackson, yes. Jackson, let me uh, interject a point. Sure. If you want the truth, follow the money. Yes. Remdesivir is a very expensive drug. And the pharmaceutical company that makes it is making a ton of money when the only drug you can get if you go into the hospital is that one. So much like the pharmaceutical companies that are making a whole lot of money off these so-called vaccines that they're giving everybody in the country. Um, that's the problem. The problem is that they want to make more money and they don't care about human life. That's my opinion. And that's what I say. Sure. And, and you know that um, Bill Gates gave six million to Gilead when they were developing um, remdesivir. Um, the NIH gave a lot of money to uh, them, and Gilead back and forth they were tossing money around. So they've developed a drug, um, they've developed a bioweapon, <laughs> and so they're cashing in on both ends, and then they have a vaccine, and it's all about the cash. Um, nothing more. It's irreverent, but you know, I'm not so sure because I spoke to a military or ex-military guy who says, I said, I've always believed in the American spirit. But recently, when I look at the way people just lay over and let themselves be walked on, I'm hoping that that American spirit has not been killed by COVID-19. Dr. Anderson because America has a fighting spirit and this has been beat down by enforcing and pushing things that don't make any sense anymore at this point in time. What's your take on that, sir? Okay, the third point yes. to talk about is 
unnecessary injuries and deaths from these vaccines. And I was researching this, and I got, uh, I guess, come my program to talk about the fact that he is very sure that over 500,000, half a million people have died from being vaccinated. Yes. It's not only ridiculous. The fact is, when you look at the numbers from the Freedom of Information Act, um, when you look at the first lady, that young late girl that was shown at the Senate in a feeding tube from the neurological damage related to the vaccine, we got a bunch of people who have paid officials in the FDA, even when you think about they don't care and they know they can get they feel that they can get away with anything at this point the vaccine when i presented you know a situation to the medical board like i said i'll keep the board anonymous they i told them no one on this planet can tell me to prescribe a vaccine that is known to lead to death and you don't want me to tell the patient that they are at risk of death and injury that may be so disabling, they're never able to function well for the rest of their lives. If you want me to give a vaccine or recommend the vaccine, you've got to give that option to the doctors. But if you say that you're going to harass a doctor for saying that the vaccines are not safe and you go around saying that the vaccines are safe and effective, you are lying. And you're not a part of the medical profession. And so many of those people on the board, their lawyers and everyone that they had, you know, with me on the Zoom call, I've never heard of what's called open veyers. So I sent them material based on evidence research and gave them a link. And I loved it that the link was there. And the link showed that at that time, 21,000 deaths had occurred due to the vaccine. By the time we have the conversation, 24,000. And as of a couple of weeks ago, 27,000. And according to the Harvard Pilgrim study, which uh, Dr. Fauci killed because they were supposed to provide money for that to be able to monitor the actual, in real time, the total number of vaccine-related adverse events, injuries, or deaths. They killed that project because that project when they looked at vaccine injuries, was reporting from the VAERS only about 2.5%. So that's a 40x factor, 40 times. So if you have over 27,000 people dead from this vaccine, you know for sure that over a million people must have died. Now, if you take the caseload of people who were adversely affected when they first rolled out the vaccine, out of about 42,086, there were 1,223 deaths. And I've seen on the internet people trying to twist it, the fact checkers trying to twist it, just like they twisted that Bill Gates didn't pay any company for coronavirus patents or use or create.
a caseload of 42,086 adverse injuries. So if you take the number of people who have adverse injuries, that's a 2.8% of those who report adverse injuries. And we know that not everybody that has an adverse event reports it. So if you take the total of adverse events in those first 90 days, we know with a high death rate from the vaccines. But the illustration I want to give here that may be useful to a doctor if he has to face a medical is, and I told the board, imagine a doctor with a practice. He's got a lot of healthy patients, also sick patients, but he sends a letter or a phone call from his office to 10 young, healthy men between the ages of 21 and 30. And they all came in. He told them, I know you're healthy. I want you to get the vaccine. And they all, those 10 got the vaccine. And at that time, there were 24,000 deaths from the vaccine. So I told them at the board meeting, I said, what happens if 10, those 10, you've already told all your other patients, they've had problems, but you attributed the problems to their own initial diagnosis. But you're not bringing 10 young, healthy men between the ages of 21 and 30 to get the shot. And within 24 hours, eight of them have a stroke. And within 48 hours, all 10 died. I said, you know, 10 out of 24,000 total deaths is a small amount. But I said to the board, what do you expect that doctor to tell the rest of his patients? Do you expect that doctor who has signed a Hippocratic Oath, even though it was just 10, because that's the way you guys are treating human beings, it's just two people, it's just one people, it's just 10 people. I said, that doctor in his practice, do you expect him to tell the rest of his patients that the vaccine is safe, knowing that those are some of his healthiest patients who don't take any medicine, they just come in for annual checkups? That would be a lie. That will be misinformation and disinformation. And so to just attack, attack and harass a doctor for saying the truth, it doesn't matter if only 10 people died out of a million people getting the shot. That doctor has to be able to say that 10 out of a million got the shot. But what has been sent from the FDA, the NIH, the CDC, and the DHHS is to influence medical licensing boards and boards of internal medicine or medical specialties to say if any doctor says anything, including the American Medical Association, if any doctor says anything about the vaccines, harass them as much as you can. And unfortunately, <laughs> it didn't go the way they thought with the interview that we had, because I told them no one on this planet can make me say the vaccines are safe. There are so many people dying and I was clear that if you keep intimidating me or try to intimidate me even one more time, I'm going to go and collect data, information, pictures of people whose family members have died following a vaccine within the first 24 to 48 hours. I will collect and show everything about the family that they've lost as a result of the vaccine deaths. And I will publish such a book. Just don't make me have to do that because you already know that these vaccines are killing people, even though you think they might be helpful for some people, you're not even trying very hard enough to figure out 
who is going to benefit from the vaccine and who is least likely and avoid giving that vaccine to people as a group who are least likely to benefit and are more likely to be harmed from the vaccines. And on the hydroxychloroquine part, you know, as a medical student and shortly after graduating from med school, we used to have a lot of spontaneous abortions that had no anatomical basis. And one of the things about hydroxychloroquine then, which I explained to the bodies, if a woman is having recurrent spontaneous abortions and she does not have an anatomical defect, we will do a trial of hydroxychloroquine for her. And in most instances, the reason for the recurrent spontaneous abortions has been found to be systemic lupus that's not yet diagnosed. And by giving hydroxychloroquine to this patient, <clears throat> they retain their pregnancy. And hydroxychloroquine basically is safe throughout pregnancy. So I said, you cannot now compare and contrast hydroxychloroquine to vaccinating this pregnant woman. Ladies and gentlemen, it makes absolutely no sense. When you look at the 1-3-P syndrome, uh, which is a deficiency that occurs, it's the first adverse effect, and it's more likely to occur as a result of exposure to the vaccine during pregnancy. They forgot to tell us that. A congenital abnormality that occurs in about one in 5,000 people the vaccine triggers that disorder. And there's so many disorders that the vaccine does trigger. And so... Let's talk about um, those injuries uh, from the vaccine. Yes. You sent me a uh, email yes. and had uh, a list of the various different types of... Uh, injuries. Yes. And this, uh, I couldn't believe it. It's a single space and it's six pages long. We're talking about hundreds of various things that uh, could happen to you as an adverse uh, event. Yes. And you, um, here is a list of adverse events reported on Pfizer mRNA vaccine. Yes. Doctors denying obvious vaccine injury surely make the cut for negligence, if not for the crimes against humanity. And to think that despite having all of this information beforehand, Pfizer and the NIH, CDC, FDA wanted to inject all doctors first. Yes. Well, there is, this is from thousand documents and went to court to get this um, data release requested by the judge. And eventually, the Pfizer document that I have with me has all this uh, adverse effects from A all the way to, I think, Z. And Pfizer, Pfizer itself, Zika virus, Asiatic Guillain-Barre syndrome is the last thing on. But 
these are available online. Uh, you can type in Pfizer um, mRNA vaccine adverse effects documentation, and there are thousands and thousands of documents. But this one is unique in that virtually everything that a doctor may not even see practicing for 50, 60 years, all those adverse effects are there. Now, association, causation, maybe two different things, but association and causation with deaths within a short period of time on a vaccine, we were told was relatively safe or very safe in comparison to other vaccines, which even though there are people called anti-vax, they've never had anything like this until now. So this is from the Pfizer documents themselves that they forced them to release. And so, uh, so Pfizer knew about all these adverse effects, hundreds of them. And yet they covered it up so that they could push these back shots on millions and millions of Americans. Yes. That's something, isn't it? Not just that. When you think about this, the people at the FDA, aren't they doctors there? The people with the NIH, and they doctors there? The people at the CDC, aren't they doctors? These are doctors, and you can imagine the goal was to make sure that every person working in the healthcare system, every doctor gets this vaccine. Now, I could look at any of them face to face and say, you mean with this, you want me at my age to get this vaccine. Why? It's murderous, but that's exactly what's been done. And to think that all this information is available, and despite knowledge of this information, they must have another agenda. It might be money, but it may be more than money. Because you want to kill pregnant women who are carrying a baby, you don't care about the adverse effects, or you already know that this are going to happen, and you don't mind getting this woman killed. You don't want the young children to survive into old age. There must be something wrong with that picture. things we can just advise people is talk research and if you have a voice if you have a forum let people know as much of the truth make sure you study and always have the frame of mind that there are at least two different views on any subject on the planet just like we have CNN versus Fox News and tell people to do a lot more reading on their own and researching not just what fits their own comfort zone or narrative 
but opposing views. America was, at one point in time, at least several decades ago, a beautiful country. Democrats, even if they had their own ideologies about some things, they were still American and pro-America. Now, a lot of Democrats are not pro-America. Um, they may have better views on some issues than the Republicans, but overall, if you're a Democrat today, it's unlikely that you're pro-America. You're just, you're just deceiving yourself because some of the Democratic policies remove sovereignty of the United, the United States. And what I found out is people just need to read and read history and find out things once they hear any subject that's of interest or inflames their passion. It's important for them to go back, even if it's on Google, go and search, go and read and find out more than one view. Because when you don't find any information about the opposing Okay, but Molnupiravir was designed that the Merck now uses for COVID, which the FDA is now saying, I think they should try to stop using it. <laughs> but some countries have banned its use. That's Molnupiravir. Molnupiravir was designed for horses, for a queen, in other words, horse encephalitis. And they brought that into humans. Now, ivermectin won the Nobel Prize, and the makers, the discoverers of it, won the Nobel Prize, not because of 3 point something billion doses given to animals, but 3 point something billion doses given to humans. In addition, take this for a second. In addition, CDC website for immigrants and refugees, the CDC website has uh, some instructions for who are coming into the United States to take at least two doses of ivermectin to help them deworm. So if if ivermectin is for horses or animals, why will they now be recommending it on the website for refugees? Or do they think refugees are horses? You know that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. It's preposterous. And all I can say is, whatever view you have, even if you're pro-vaccine, you better look at the other side, which is anti-vax. And I want to leave an illustration here of a gentleman. He's a cardiologist. He was about, looking at his age, he's an Indian guy, he's a cardiologist. He was about 34 when the vaccines came out. He rushed over, got the first shot, nothing happened. And he came on the internet blasting and insulting other doctors, insulting everybody saying that he can't wait for this uh, vaccine to be approved for his child. When he got his second dose about three or four weeks later, he dropped dead. He had a massive stroke or a massive heart attack, but he died within 24 to 48 hours. And the picture that was shown was him when he was getting his first shot, insulting the doctors who didn't want to get the vaccine. So everyone needs to understand a global perspective of vaccinations as far as the mRNA vaccines are concerned. They're not like other vaccines. 
definitely far more dangerous than anything that we've ever introduced into the human race, besides radiation and chemotherapy. And we cannot just expect people to swallow. And I think our doctors may have some guilt here in that they trust the system. We were designed to be trained to trust the system, but it's time for us to start critically thinking. And without doctors critically thinking and observing and reading and really analyzing, not just research, but just read and listen to your patients because many of them are dying and suffering from the vaccine injuries. If you can see someone who was healthy yesterday, got a shot, two days later is off track in terms of their health, they're getting worse, then you want to try and find any other thing to blame besides the vaccine that they were injected with. That's some form of psychosis or delusion on the part of the doctor. So I think there needs to be a way that doctors look at themselves moving forward and their denial of vaccine injuries in their patients. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to stand before our maker. As a believer, as a Christian, I'll tell you, if you allowed your patients to get a vaccine and they were injured and to add insult to injury, you deny them, you lie on them, you tell them it's something else, not the vaccine, there's something wrong with you. But even worse, God's going to hold us accountable for all those things that we've lied about or refused to acknowledge that is causing our patients pain and suffering. Thank you. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, and when you think about Pfizer going to Brazil, um, manhandling muslin Brazil into releasing its real estate investments and all that kind of stuff, you, you know, I don't know whether you saw that documentary where they showed Pfizer going to different countries to see to, to put their military on 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 the line. Any any property that they had in other countries like you know embassies that Pfizer will have access to all those things they were making them sign all these ridiculous contracts just to get a vaccine and you wonder is this about a vaccine or something else but at the end of the day I think doctors I have doctors whose spouses were vaccine injured I have doctors who themselves got vaccine injured and I have them seeing their relatives with vaccine injuries and denying that it was a vaccine. How can you deny that the problem that the person is now having, which they didn't have before, and they didn't even have COVID, so you could have blamed it on COVID. These people didn't have COVID. 
Now they have all these strange symptoms and you don't think it's a vaccine, you're so sure it's not the vaccine. It's the equivalent of delusional denial. Just like somebody saying there's no God because they don't believe in God. You know, how can you say there is no God? You've not traveled the entire universe. How can you say there are no vaccine injuries just because you got the vaccine and there was nothing, nothing happened to you? There are some families that I've met, you know, spoken to by phone who the, the only person that didn't get injured was the guy speaking to me on the phone is um, in-laws, is mom, is grandmother, you know, all in a series shortly after the vaccine. And you would think that Fauci and his cohorts will be interested in, oh, maybe there is a genetic predisposition to vaccine-related injuries. Let's look for why one family or cohort is having these vaccine injuries. They're not doing that. And you know, the book that Amazon blocked, not my book, the one I published initially in January, in April, 2020, when I did that, re, uh, a second edition of the book and added all the calculations and the vaccines in there. That was what the medical board did not know about. And I told them, I was accused of saying it's wrong to give the vaccines the mRNA Pfizer vaccine to pregnant women and young children. That was one of the accusations that took me to the medical boards to go and defend my position. And I thank God I defended it thoroughly beyond their own ability. The chairman of the investigating and the review and all that stuff said, Dr. Perry, I absolutely agree with you. There is no reason why doctors should not be allowed to prescribe whatever they feel should be prescribed for patients with COVID. And I added to them that as the vaccine stopped the pandemic, particularly in America, where they don't want to end the pandemic, if they could, they'll keep it going on for the next 10 years. And he said, no, the pandemic is not going to end with the vaccines. Vaccines are vaccines. The virus is escaping. The virus is able to reinfect and reinfection is causing more pathologies. And all this combination of issues with the vaccines, no one should be saying the vaccines are just outright safe or even outright effective since we've had these mutations and they're still trying to use the same vaccines. I think it's pretty strange, but I know that if the goal is depopulation, then they're doing a good job. The only question is how many people are they going to kill and over how long do they think they're going to be able to succeed in killing people with these vaccines if the goal or agenda is depopulation? They might not be able to succeed at the level that they thought they were going to because some people are going to get the vaccine and survive. Absolutely. 
And and, and I, can I point this out too? You know, um, the remdesivir, the killer drug remdesivir, it is a killer drug. The people that approve that drug, most people may not be aware of this, besides the fact that it's a problem drug, seven out of the people, and I, I talked about that in, a, I have an online course on misinformation. <laughs> seven out of the 15 people in that group were on Gilead's payroll. They were getting money regularly from Gilead or irregularly. Those that approved the drug. Now, the there were eight other people that were not, that approved this same remdesivir. They, in the 11 months preceding this approval, they were already getting money from Gilead. So that makes 15 people working with the FDA, NIH, Treatment Guidelines Committee who have been paid by drug companies. This kind of stuff only happens in Nigeria, not in the U.S. And for us to sit down here listening to something that Fauci says or Bill Gates, you know, it sounds preposterous. But maybe the world has fallen apart because I think these people should have been before the Senate and arrested for bribery and corruption. Those people in that treatment guideline committee. But I can't explain this, Dr. Anderson. I really can't. It's pretty obvious. You were part of a committee. You receive money. You approve a drug. But then guess what? The drug is killing people. Forget about the drug is killing people. You have conflicts of interest. You should never be allowed to dictate the outcome of whether or not a drug is approved for use. And if the drug is not helping people, it's hurting people because remdesivir should be given early, not late, and you can't give it early. So it has no place in COVID care in the real world, in my opinion. drcaxton.com. That's my website, Dr. Caxton, drcaxton.com. And the book that I think is most practical and effective for COVID, if you got exposed to it, will be COVID-19 Remedies. It's actually one, it's considered one of the top 85 best-selling COVID-19 books of all time. Um, it's called COVID-19 Remedies, A Frontline Doctor's View. That is the book that Amazon had blocked, um, you know, in 2020 when I did another edition in 2021. It's an extremely good book. If you got exposed to someone with COVID, to know exactly what you can do right away so you don't get sick or end up in hospital is in that book. And I think that's the reason why Amazon blocked the book um, two years ago. And, but those who have used the book, there's so many reviews about it, and you will find that that book is a very practical book. I wish the book was allowed, not blocked by Amazon. Number one, it has saved a lot of lives. Number two, a lot of people wouldn't have died unnecessarily from COVID. And I think that they saw the book as a threat. So the best thing to do was to block it completely. And that's a book that contained all the statistics now 
that will help you understand the vaccine and the fraud in statistical calculations on vaccines. So that's www.drcaxi.com. I have online courses on there on how to understand COVID in the shortest possible time, the science behind or the fraud behind the vaccine mandate science, as well as you know how to get an understanding of information, misinformation, wrong information, and disinformation, and a few other things. Um, yeah, Dr. Anderson has been a very useful uh, friend in letting people understand what's been going on even outside of this interview. So I want people to go to your website and to get that uh, freedom from addiction uh, that you often talk about so that people are getting more and more addicted because of mental health issues during this pandemic. And I think that they will need your services and your help more than ever before, Dr. Anderson. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. And I, just one more thing. They can go to Amazon. Amazon blocked the book initially, but they allowed it to be published. So if you typed in Amazon, Caxton, Perry, MD, you'd find those books there. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. That was great. That was great. Okay, I will. All right.